Listen up, ladies and gentlemen. Our fugitive has been on the run for 90 minutes. Average foot speed over uneven ground, barring injuries, four miles an hour. That gives us a radius of six miles. What I want out of each and every one of you is a hard target search of every gas station, residence, warehouse, farmhouse, hen house, outhouse, or doghouse in that area. Checkpoints go up at 15 miles. Your fugitive's name is Dr. Richard Kimball. Go get him. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Get Your Film Fix podcast. I'm Lee Carlo. Joined, as always, by Jeremy Fisk and Chapin Hemingway. Uh, as is our custom, we are looking back many, many years ago to the time of our youth when hope sprang eternal, <laughs> when <laughs> all of our problems were many years ahead of us. 30 years ago, in 1993, Andrew Davis released a little film starring Harrison Ford called The Fugitive, based on a TV show of the same name from the 60s. Um, and I don't know, it's been a while since we we have seen this movie, so we wanted to discuss it. And we're going to do something a little bit different today um, to kind of structure this podcast. Um, we've all come in with some scorching hot takes about this movie. And we're going to allow those takes to frame our conversation. So um, let's get things rolling. I am happy to share my take first, guys, uh, unless one of you feels like yours is more appropriate. No, I'm curious where you guys went with this. So when developing a hot take, (laughs) I I think it's important... More, I think it's more important to be able to have um, a way to defend it than it is to actually 100% believe it. So I will preface my take with that. Um, and I've also kind of been massaging this, and I had a little bit of a broader take, which maybe I'll end up falling back on, but I said, you know what, let's just let's go specific, let's go big here to start this podcast So here it is, guys. Harrison Ford and Tommy Lee Jones, the two leads in this movie, turn in the two best performances of the 90s. Whoa. Jeez. So here are the the contenders. I thought you were going to say their careers, but you're the whole decade amongst everybody. Here are the contenders. Uh, I mean, and there are many, but here are some that I wrote down. From that very same year... Tom Hanks and Denzel Washington in Philadelphia. Also from that same year, Liam Neeson and Ray Fiennes from Schindler's List. So wait, can I just clarify? Are you talking about dual performance, like no, two no, no. performances in one movie that no, paired I think that, together? That was sort of where I was like starting this from. Two performances paired You're together. Just but I'm just saying that these are the two best separately. performances of the '90s. Um, you also have Denzel and Malcolm X. You have Francis McDormand in Fargo. Uh, Anthony Hopkins in Silence of the Lambs, Gene Hackman, Unforgiven, Nicolas Cage, Leaving Las Vegas, and many more. Many, um, many more. Here's here's my reasoning for suggesting this. I think these roles are actually surprisingly difficult to pull off the way that they do. I think you have uh, 
with Tommy Lee Jones uh, playing a, you know, a cop chasing a criminal, a very cliche part that he makes wholly his own and infuses humor into a movie that's not funny, uh, infuses pathos, infuses intensity. Um, he is a he is a character, a man good at his job, which we love. And I think that that role, while maybe I think it could be, I mean, he obviously was well, like very well acclaimed for this and won an Oscar, but I think it could have so easily have just been cliche and simple and forgettable. And he just elevates it like beyond, I think anybody has in that type of role. And then Harrison Ford coming in as a huge, huge star has to put forth a somewhat silent performance. He does not have a lot of dialogue. In the scenes that he does, he has to evoke so much emotion. I think the scene that won me over more than I've ever thought is the interrogation when he is saying, when I came home, there was a man in my house. You think I killed my wife? And like the stuff he's doing with his hands, his reaction is so authentic and so believable that this is a man that has just been like, his life has just been completely turned upside down. He's still trying to grasp at it and he's being questioned about it. And I just was blown away by that performance. This is This doesn't take anything away from... Hanks in Philadelphia or Denzel in Philadelphia or Malcolm X or all those other performances I mentioned and the several that you guys might bring up. But I do think that at the very least it's worth a discussion that these are the best performances of the 90s and they might even be. Look, I would, I, I, I almost kind of wish we shared the these hot takes beforehand because we could do a little prep um, and sort of sit down and rank them. Um, I mean, I don't think they would land on top, but that's obviously the hot take part of it is that they're the top. But, I, you know, I, if they're some of the best performance of the 90s, that's hard to disagree with. I mean, everything you say about what Tommy Lee Jones especially did with this character that could have been relatively um, <clears throat> boring and cliche is absolutely true. Um, but it's hard for me to sit here and be like, well, you know, I mean, we're talking all of the 90s. We're still talking Goodfellas and Pulp Fiction. And I mean, just can't even begin to name them all. Um, so, yeah, it's a hot take. I'll give you that. I like it. I like it a lot. I think if you were to, like, set up the 90s performances in a bracket. Ooh, I like that idea. I think I think these two performances would get a whole lot further than people would think. You know, I went through and I looked at, like, best performances of the 90s to get some context. And Harrison Ford's nowhere to be seen, which I think is criminal. Tommy Lee Jones shows up on a couple lists. And all these lists are, like, all the standards, like the easy picks and stuff with, you know, no thought really put into them. And it's possible that this viewing of The Fugitive kind of like heightened this for me because the performance was never a big takeaway from this movie for me. It was always like the screenplay and, you know, the story and the music and things like that, which we'll talk about. And I was just, I, I don't know, I was really blown away by the performances in this 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 time around. Yeah, I mean, I think it would be easier to actually win this, like, to 
in it not just be a hot take to actually win it as a dual performance, like the top dual performance of the nineties. I think so th- there's a, there's an actual argument for that. So that was, that was another aspect of my take. And then another, an even another version that was a little broader was that 1993 offered maybe the s- six best performances of the last 30 years or something. Like I didn't really develop that take, but if you look at, Hanks, Denzel Washington, Liam Neeson, Ray Fiennes, and then Harrison Ford and Tommy Lee Jones, all from 1993. Like, that is incredible. And maybe that's, is that the peak of movie stardom in terms, like, in terms of, like, great actors carrying movies? Um, I don't know. Those are, those are kind of like cousins of this take that I didn't quite develop because I was just like, no, 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 let's, let's go big here. Well, my, um, my hot take is... <clears throat> well, you got to talk about mine. Well, it's related to yours. Okay. Is that, the, is that the Ford performance is the anchor of this movie. And as great as Tommy Lee J- Jones is, which I agree, his, the, the Ford performance really, I think, is what really separates this movie for me. That's that not is, a hot take. That's a light take. <laughs> that's a, that's <laughs> a, a ba- barely a take. It's just like a comment. <laughs> um. Well, I Sorry, could say my, my hot take is I think this is the most racist movie ever. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There is a little bit of a uh, he just shot the black guy <laughs> scene that didn't hold up real well, I suppose. Um, well, my my super hot take is going to annoy you guys, and I knew it will. Um, <clears throat> it's it's plot based, not performance based, and not. Um, and not filmmaking based. It's uh, very similar to my my uh, Gene Krantz take in Apollo thirteen, which you guys <laughs> like. Absolutely, Kimball actually did it. Uh, well, that would be my hot take for Shawshank, and we can maybe one oh, day okay. get into that. Um, is that I think Tommy Lee Jones is Gerard should have caught him long before the end of this movie. He had far too many chances. He show, Richard Kimball showed up to the hospital like six times. He showed up to prison. He was in the same room with him. Uh, there was one point where Sykes decided to go looking for him and found him immediately. <laughs> so, I mean, I think he's... Well, he is, knew where he was going. The performance, uh, the performance I agree with uh, Lee, but I think if he really was good at his job he would have found him a lot earlier i mean there is some very suspect police work in this movie and i but i don't think it comes from the marshals um i didn't really have that problem at all i mean and honestly like there goes your movie but i also think there's there's a number of irrelevant nitpicks in this movie too that I yes. don't even know that are, they're worth discussing, to be honest with you. But, like, I think stuff like that is perhaps a product of, like, this script was never completed. It was just, like, partially done. It was in development hell forever. The script was never done before they started shooting. Um, they were writing scenes on the day. They were improvising a lot. But the and script, I think you can tell. The script still holds up, though. You it still wanna, works. If you want to follow this plot, the way it, it reveals the breadcrumbs is really, really interesting. And 
I don't think it gets done like this in movies anymore. I mean, my backup hot take is that this, the filmmaking in here is is relatively pedestrian and uh, sort of paint by numbers, but what it reveals works because the story works. Well, I think what's I think what I find most interesting is that while the script was never quite done when they started shooting and yet it's a really good script yeah it's one of the best screenplays and then also something that chapin pointed out to us and that i also read is that this was edited extremely fast shot began shooting in february wrapped in may came out in july that's which is insane insane. but it's a really really well edited movie i thought editors I yeah. believe won the, the Oscar pay- for for the pacing for, uh, is perfect. Yeah, yeah they so or did, I, I th- they were nominated. It was the, it's the it, it's the record for the most editors ever nominated for an Oscar, and that's not like assistance. That, yeah. That's six full editors. <laughs> would you? But would you guys agree with me that it's not trying to do anything unique filmmaking wise? Like it's just like oh, we're gonna have the biggest up to this point crash with a t- real train ever. But, but you know, like, you know we're not going to do anything that? unique with it. We're just going to film it. You know Everything's just about like, that? this is like, the scene and we're going to film it. Andrew Davis didn't really do anything before this significant and didn't do anything after. Do you guys think like the circumstances of making this movie maybe had to maybe have a lot to do with the success of how good it is? It, maybe. I, I, like, I was wondering how he got this gig. You know, it feels propulsive in a way that is just... I think kind of uncommon for movies of that time. Like it's, I mean, it still feels like you sort of got the pacing of a nineties action movie, but there's just like this driving force. And um, I think a lot of the, the sort of realism you have and the, the sort of interactions with the characters and the, the sort of um, the, 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 the feelings you have for Gerard and for uh, Richard Kimball come from the fact that these guys I think are just are, are improvising a lot of this stuff. Yeah. I think and, so. And I don't mean like there's literally not a, I don't mean that there's like not a script on set and they don't know what they're doing, but like they might just be like, yeah, walk in here and say blah, 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 blah. And you know, like, I, I mean, I, it, it sounds like that's how they were filming. This was like, yeah. If you read the trivia, there's a lot of scenes that just like, they were just kind of improvising. Supposedly the interrogation scene, Kim uh, Harrison Ford didn't know the questions that they were going to ask and like I don't know like I think like it's easy to say like oh that's why it comes off so authentically but I think it's also kind of important to point out that that's they don't make movies like that for a reason yet this all seemed to work out the script yeah. and the editing are p- arguably two of some of the best parts of this movie and they didn't even really have time to do it well maybe that's why I mean it, it kind of like, is like Casablanca in that way like some of the best two two of the best screenplays you know ever written once you were to you know sit down and record the screenplay after the fact didn't have any time and they just kind of had to keep going and it seems like this was the same way it was just like we we have a certain amount of time let's just keep doing it we'll figure it out as we go and this organically came about in a really amazing way um and i think you do like maybe like the way that this movie is shot is relatively unimpressive, but I think you do have to give Andrew Davis a lot of credit for 
constructing this movie. It's interesting. I have this very, very clear memory of watching the audio commentary on the DVD of this years and years and years ago. And Andrew Davis is kind of running it. And he has at different times, he's talking to Harrison Ford and Tommy Lee Jones as like clearly like they didn't have time to do this. And he's like so excited to talk to them and they're just showing well, well, no interest. Yeah. Two kind of like <laughs> gruff guys. Who yeah. are like They're like have no interest and all he wants to do is talk about it. And I'm just like, well, yeah, you know, it's kind of like your only thing. I know he directed, what is it? The siege. Um, no, he didn't direct that. What, what what movie am I thinking of then? Holes. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, he did. Chain reaction after this. Oh, under siege. <laughs> yeah. Um, is what I was thinking of. That was the movie that came right beforehand. Um, so, yeah, but I think you have to give him a lot of credit for the way that this movie is constructed. The train crash is incredible. I think the scenes in the sewers are, are is really really good. Yeah, I was wondering um, if they, where they filmed those. It didn't seem like they had a like a, I think any it was a set. set money, but I guess maybe that was would have been they, it. They also filmed a lot of this. Well, they filmed a lot in Chicago. Obviously, they shot basically like during the St. Patrick's Day parade. They got permission to do that and just put Tommy Lee Jones and Harrison Ford in the middle of the parade. Um, but they shot a lot of stuff in North Carolina, which. I didn't realize until before this viewing, and I'd always been curious why there's so many people in this movie with Southern accents, and that would explain it. But, like, the sheriff, Sheriff Rawlings at the beginning, is this, like, right. ridiculous Southern accent, supposed to be in Chicago. There's that, this nurse that comes into the hospital that has this Southern accent. I mean, even Tommy Lee Jones has a little bit of one, but... Um, well, yeah, I mean, he's a Texan who's now a U.S. Marshal, so... yeah. Um, I, I, yes, I mean, and uh, I think moreover, if you like ever have been to Chicago or Illinois in general, you know that there is uh, no mountains to be seen. There are just yeah. like they're like the in some North Carolina valley, and yeah, with this huge dam. Yeah, and I think also in terms of just the structure of the screenplay that works so well to go back to like sort of Chapin's point is like scenes like. Put, putting in scenes like where he has to be in the hospital and the little boys, you know, uh, hurt and then he, f- he figures out what it is and saves his life. Like, that's such a great way to show his character and and, and give empathy for him. I, yeah, you know, I love his performance love in that, that scene. scene. You see that little smile on his face when he, like, knows he helped him. He, like, misses that old life. I mean, this is such a good, like, whodunit movie too like well the, here's the, a question do you guys care who did it by the end and with like the whole thing with the drug and the pharmaceutical I love that. company it's hard. And, i've seen this movie so many times that like it's not so <clears> much a, do i care but i i love the payoff and like i just i love <laughs> that he <laughs> gets redeemed but i don't think i really yeah. care who did it oh i i like that part of it i mean i think it, it is a nice redemption and but like if you stop and think, because I was trying to think about, you know, it's been a while since I've seen this. Obviously, it's it's a favorite, so I, I've watched it a lot in the past. But I stepped away. I'm like, well, wait a second. Like, what was the plan? Why did they end it? Why were they trying to kill Richard Kimball? Um, and once you think about it in detail, it's like, boy, this guy sure went out of his way to, like, <laughs> you know, get a patent for a liver medication, you know? Like, um, I mean, there's... 
a lot of, like I said, there's a lot of nitpicks. There's that like there's little things like just the just the 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 setup of this movie is that they're at this fundraising event and then they're on their way home when Kimball gets a call to go into surgery. Now, I suppose if he's on call, like he can't drink at this fundraising event, but you know, who knows? Also, what time is it when his wife says she'll wait up for him? And then yeah, wait she was hours while he's in have, surgery. They have vascular surgery, which doesn't sound yeah. like you're just going in and like doing yeah. a couple of snips. And she's like dropping rose petals and pouring wine and stuff. Like he's going to be home at midnight. And I'm just like, what is the timeline here? So well, again, irrelevant doesn't matter. <laughs> but like, I think there's just little things throughout this movie that you could pick apart. But because it's so well structured, because I think that payoff is is great, like you have these little lines at the beginning when uh, Dr. Nichols says thanks for the loaner and we realize that he had his car and his car and his keys to his house, like just stuff like that. That's just smart writing. And it's it's never obvious. I think it pays off well. So all the nitpicks don't matter. Yeah. I would agree because as an audience member, you care most about his, him not getting caught and him getting redeemed. That's all you really are are following. So how it gets there, it's not that important, I don't think. I also, I also think the idea, like the whole idea behind. I think it for a couple of reasons this plays really well, like. The fact that he's a doctor and you can play this this card that he's really smart and he can figure out this stuff and he's like can uh, you know elude capture really well, obviously helps the movie move along. But there's also this like I don't think it really exists anymore. But in the '90s there was just like <laughs> this reverence for doctors, right? And like this upper class murder that takes place and is like a huge huge news story across Chicago. I think makes this so interesting because you have everybody after him. Yeah, Dr. Bill's Dr. Bill and Eyes Wide Shut uh does away with that phenomenon by yeah. constantly telling everybody he's a doctor and yeah, nobody cares. Yeah. And he's like, I'm a here's my here's my uh doctor my, ID. My New York can I, my New York State's medical license. Can I get into this closed store? Yeah. Um yeah, I think that's a great point. That's an interesting um I think that's an interesting point of view. I, I never really thought about it that way. Um, so we love Harrison Ford and, um, bless you, and Tommy Lee Jones in this. How do we feel about the rest of the performances here? Let's start with the uh, rest of the Marshals. Um, yeah, I mean, that's just a great little ragtag group of... I, I love how it's written. I love yeah. the irreverence of it. Um, <laughs> I just love how they shit on each other. And I don't know. It's just so... It's such a smart way to write this. And and you get why they made a sequel, like, using those characters. Right. Um, because it's like... It's it's ripe for a spinoff. Um, how about... Okay. Jaron Krabby. Krabby. Jaron Krabby. Dr. Uh, Charles Nichols. Yeah, so a last a last minute casting. And the guy who was supposed to be like died that year. Like he Did was he? ill. 
So the guy who was, I read that in the trivia too, the guy who was supposed to play Charles Nichols, now I forget his name, um, left the role because he was sick and then he died that year. Um, but yeah, what do you guys think of his performance? It didn't bother, I, I thought he was very serviceable for this role. I mean, I, I didn't recognize him. I've never seen him since. I think he's a foreign actor, right? Um, <laughs> what gave that away? <laughs> But I think what I disliked about the, and I don't know if it's the performances or more the the script, is the ending, like he, him becoming, like, attacking back, and then these two doctors all of a sudden yeah. it's turning a little bit Air Force One-y. I didn't like that. I just, I liked how, like, real these characters were and how real these sort of doctors were, and if th- he was going to do something like this, I don't think it would go to, like, rooftop uh, fights, yeah. but um, the performance up to that point, I think, was fine. I agree. I don't love the fight at the end. Um, I I actually think he's great in this movie. Um, I think like his accent really like works for it. Yeah. Um, he he's he, it's just a very memorable performance. It just it stands out, and I think the idea of him, the fact that he is foreign, uh, and he has that accent, and he's so sort of like ostensibly very approachable and nice and has a warmth to him. Yeah, I think you totally buy that he's yeah. like his best friend and looking yeah. out for him and stuff. Yeah. And then but then of course that turns around very quickly. Now <laughs> in in the, re- the reality of this movie when Kimball knocks on his window and like first shows up to see him asking for money. Like and this guy tried to have him murdered and he shows up would I feel like his reaction wouldn't be like how can i help you like is is natural as it is wouldn't he be like oh for fuck's sake you again but i don't think it, i think it would be more let me try to help you because he's not going to get his hands dirty and that's what i kind of liked about the idea of it at first until he i guess had to do it or they didn't really have another way to end that movie without you know needing another 90s action scene or something right um now how about andreas katsulas as Sykes, interesting face, definitely. Yeah. Interesting I, I, face. I, I liked him a lot. Oh, really? I think he leaves a little to be desired. Like, really? I don't think he's great. I think he, as Jeremy suggested about Nichols being serviceable, I think Sykes, the actor who plays Sykes, is serviceable. But I don't know. He's some of his line deliveries are just like, I think like hit when when the time came for him to improv. Like he was doing stuff like answering the phone, going, "Talk to me," and <laughs> he's on there. He's like, "I had no Sorry, problem with that." I spotted him. I got him now. I clocked him. Move to the door, Doc. Like he's got such weird line deliveries. Yeah, he was fine. I wouldn't. I mean, there's no performances in this. I mean, Julianne Moore. Maybe you could call that distracting, knowing who she, she is now. Um, I know they cut a bunch of her stuff which probably makes sense to have cut, but she was, you know. Evidently, there was two, there were two potential love stories I'm so in this glad movie. they didn't There's do that. It would one take with Julian Moore and one with Jane Lynch as this guy's looking to, like, solve his wife's murder. Yeah, that would <laughs> like, take, take away from this so much. I'm like, that might Especially not have Especially with Jane Lynch. Um, <laughs> and also, supposedly, supposedly, I read that Spielberg saw Julianne Moore in The Fugitive and liked her so much, and then that's what 
got him interested in casting her <laughs> in the Lost World Jurassic Park. And I'm like, <laughs> so much of that sentence is just insane. Um, I mean, I believe sh- it, though. Well, but she has shortcuts later that year, which uh, maybe he saw that and not this. She's got like three or four other movies before um, The Lost World. I'm not quite sure that her small little role in The Fugitive was what put her on the map. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? Um, I would, I could see, I could see it happening. Him watching a Harrison Ford movie over shortcuts. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, well, I guess it sounds like it, this holds up though for everyone, right? I mean, like, there's nothing really left um, to be desired other than me needing Tommy Lee Jones to catch <laughs> Richard Kimball earlier. Um, yeah, totally holds up. Um, I will tell you some things that I didn't really love this time around. Um, the use of the music. I don't, I, I like the score in general. Um, but the music is very like law and ordery. Yeah. Um, and it plays a lot. And I just found that to be just very like formulaic and I don't know. I, I didn't love that. I like the two montages though, and I think the music in them is so good. You know when he's like, oh, the montages are good. Yeah, yeah. I don't love the, I don't like the flashbacks and how those are done. Oh, really? I don't know. There's something. Yeah, but there's something so unique and like about it to this movie that I, I kind of like it. I like how they're 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 done in the. I guess they're not necessarily flashbacks, but like the opening sequence when you kind of see the murder. I like how that's done. Oh, you're talking credits, about like the flashbacks to like, like the party and stuff and that like. Yeah, I don't it. like those, like the transitions to the flashbacks, I yeah. guess. Oh, I don't <laughs> you know. That at all. What are you going to do? You got to transition some, some way. Might as well transition in 90s. <laughs> in 90s, from now on. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Chapin. What? Feed us something. This was your idea. Sell you... Award was really pretty. Jeez. Yeah. Um, you know, you were really pushing for us to do this. Tell us why. Yeah, well, I, 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 well, one, one thing I'd like to ask, I mean, I think this is a great movie, and I think if you had asked me, even like five years ago, I would say this is probably in my top ten. Um, and Watching this time, I didn't enjoy it any less than I usually do, but I think that's probably pretty silly to say. But I wonder where it ranks for you guys, roughly. I mean, if you had to put it in a... I'll, I'll give you, yeah. like, within, within five or within ten. I think it's, it's actually a good question because it, it's a little bit of a tricky movie to rank because it's not quite as, like, polished and sophisticated as, like, the best of the bests to me. Um and it is very pulpy. So, I don't know. I, you know, once upon a time when I was always kind of like ranking my movies, it was always in my top 50s. It's probably still there, Yeah, I would say. I don't know if I can be a whole lot more specific. Between 25 and 50. What came to my mind is, is 60, 65 for some reason, somewhere in that range. Okay, um, so just outside the top maybe 50. Maybe just outside the top 50. Uh, but, yeah, it's been a while since I did a top 50 list. Sure, yeah, I got I some written ha- down somewhere. 
I used to have it in my uh, printed out real, real small print so I could keep it in my wallet. Oh, yeah, I remember Back that. in high school. Just in case some of the ladies yeah. want to be like, what are your favorite movies? Well, yeah. funny well, you should list ask. all 50 for you. Do you, got, yeah. do you have 10 minutes? Take a seat. Um, <laughs> oh, they loved that. Oh, I couldn't <laughs> keep their hands off my list. Your tiny list. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of putting a condom in there, we had a list. Yeah. Um, and funny enough, Schindler's List was on it. That's true. So also, list on the list. I was I was I was always making lists. Yeah, so. probably why Spielberg hired you. So, I, 1993. I a, <clears throat> All right, go ahead, Jeremy. Is this the definitive Tommy Lee Jones role? Like, is this the one we're gonna think of when he's gone? And um, probably is like Coal Miner's Daughter. So. I know is a big one for people, and like obviously No Country, but No Country doesn't quite feel like a Tommy Lee Jones movie. Um. That's more like Josh Brolin, Javier Bardem. Um, is this the... Okay, where does this stand for you guys in Harrison Ford's career? Well, I, I, think, this I, I is, think it's the best. N- I think no question it's the best oh, performance. Okay, so uh, but uh, it's not his most definitive performance. Obviously, Indiana no. Jones is going to go on. That. Or Han Solo, yeah. Or Han Solo. Um, I don't know if it's the best performance. I don't know. You've seen I, Witness more I, recently. I recently. That's the only thing yeah, I can think of. I recently saw Witness, and I think he's really good in that. Um, yeah, it's his most subtle performance, for sure. And he's not like an, known to be an over-actor or anything, but he's also not known for dialing back the Harrison Ford charm all the time. So, maybe. Maybe. Listen... Listen to the star power from this year's Oscar nominees. So I'm not going to go through the whole categories in all their movies. I'm just going to list these actors. Tom Hanks, Anthony Hopkins, Daniel Day-Lewis, Lawrence Fishburne, Liam Neeson, Tommy Lee Jones, John Malkovich, Leonardo DiCaprio, Pete Postlewaite, Ray Fiennes, Holly Hunter, Angela Bassett, Deborah Winger, Emma Thompson, Stocker Channing, Anna Paquin, uh, Emma Thompson again, Holly Hunter again. Um, both of, that's interesting. What? Both of them nominated for actress, leading actress, and supporting actress. That's two crazy. different, two different movies, and in total, four different movies. Um, Winona. What were, Ryder, what were hers? Pianist and uh, Holly Hunter was one leaving, for no, the piano and, and Eric, leaving, was or, nominated for the firm. The firm. Oh, um, that's that that's silly, weird. but. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then Anna Paquin also won for the piano. Um, Emma Thompson was nominated for Remains of the Day and In the Name of the Father. Um, the movie's nominated this year. I mean, Schindler's List, obviously, um, Philadelphia, The Fugitive, Remains of the Day, The Age of Innocence. So you have bit a Scorsese a, movie here. Bit of a grim year. The, the, the directors, you have Spielberg, Campion, Altman, Jim Sheridan, James Ivory, Spielberg not, I mean, uh, Scorsese not nominated. It's just, Jurassic Park is in 1993. Cliff, I mean, is this the best sound effects editing category ever? Three movies, Jurassic Park, Cliffhanger, and The Fugitive? Jesus. This is a good year. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Um, <laughs> Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> How do, 
Mrs. Delphire won best makeup over Philadelphia. They're like, the AIDS makeup wasn't that good, but the the cross. Mrs. Delphire was a little problematic these days, but it's all right. Oh, okay. The other three movies nominated for best makeup. Okay. Mrs. Doubtfire wins over Philadelphia and Schindler's List. <laughs> well, Schindler's List was black and white, so you didn't really know yeah. what's going on. Yeah, yeah that's cheating. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, those were these were the these were the uh, glory days for me in movies, from the nineties. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, what else you guys got? Anything? <sighs> No, I mean, it's a short one. It's always a short one when we do a really good movie. I know. I mean, I, I always thought... You guys I always would come this, in with hotter takes. I always thought this movie... Well, let's let's talk a little bit about your hot take, because I don't I don't think we can get out of that very easily. Okay. Um, I mean, the only way to really go into it more deeply is to point out why... I mean, so Hanks won Best Actor. Harrison Ford was not even nominated. Um, Tommy Lee Jones did win Best Supporting Actor that year, um, but you obviously ha- are you have you know Liam Neeson that year. You have Gene Hackman in Unforgiven a few years earlier. Um, I'm looking at other support. A lot of these are leading performances. Denzel in Philadelphia. You know, well, what's this the- is just. I mean, if you said these are the best performances of 1993. That's one thing. You said of the decade. 1993 was my initial thought, but that's not that hot of a take. So I said of the decade. And I I mean again, like I said, I think I can defend it. I think it's I think it's reasonable to suggest it. I don't know that I totally believe it, but I think these are very very good performances. I agree. I agree. I I I just um um I <laughs> you stumped I mean, him. I can find like okay. I don't. I don't think. I don't like, think that. I don't think the Tommy Lee Jones role. I think the Tommy Lee Jones role is very showy. I think it's very fun and 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 it's um it's very so, so is Ray Fiennes in Schindler's List. He's so fun. So, so like, very you fun. Just, you of like who are the guys you want to hang out with? Yeah, who who do you most want to have a beer with? Yeah. Ray Fiennes and Schindler's List or Tommy Lee Jones and the Fugitive? Leonardo DiCaprio and Gilbert Grape? There. It's a blast. <laughs> the end of the movie, Tom Hanks in Philadelphia? You know, they don't mention Leo in Tropic Thunder uh, <clears throat> for Gilbert Grape. Yeah, he did. He went full retard, he, but he, he was, was only nominated. That's true, he didn't win. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I think I think what I would say is that I think the Gerard performance is great. It's 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 very showy. I don't think you get a lot of depth there with that character. Um, I think it's That's I think it's point. fun. Yeah. It's well delivered. I think with with it, it with gets Ford, there a little bit though at the end. I mean, he does I have guess. a sense. Of, I mean, they try to get they try to reveal a little bit more at yeah. the end. Yeah, you see yeah. him chuckle every now and then. He's la- I love I actually love that scene when, um, Kimball calls him. And they're like messing around. They're like, "Oh, we got another Kimball," and he's like, "Oh, ask him." That. And they're all kind of just laughing and yeah. moving around. And then he realizes it's really him, and he's just like, yeah. "Shut so the fuck up." Does that to say that they gave like every 
fake collar to Gerard, yeah, to Gerard. the top guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I do I do think that it's just like yeah, I do think uh the four performances is so good. It's just it's so you have just so much pathos for this guy. And so like when he's like getting through the water like when he's like swimming through the water yeah, after jumping in the in the in the in the dam you're just like oh god this poor guy like it, it's and the he's, sweater and, and he's, he's wearing yeah and he's able to like convey so much in those flashbacks too that he's just like this good guy and this like would probably like 90 seconds of total screen time like everybody likes him he's a he, you get this sense of you know that he's just like a like a very altruistic kind of person and and um and he just had to have the worst lawyer yeah <laughs> face of the by john cusack's dad is that true <laughs> yeah there you go doesn't does not doesn't do a great job no. def- defending him <laughs> can't find the guy <laughs> um but yeah, like there is a little bit of a there is a little bit like revisionist law, like like as if a real like as if like a big doctor with tons of money would be convicted that quickly and sentenced to death. What about an appeal? <laughs> yeah, no. Well, his lawyer was done after the trial. Yeah. We couldn't find the guy. <laughs> Got the worst fucking attorneys. Ugh. All right. Well. Please let us know what you think about Harrison Ford and Tommy Lee Jones in The Fugitive. And uh, what you think about this movie in general. When was the last time you checked it out? You can email us at getyourfilmfixpodcast at gmail.com. We don't know what we're doing next. Chapin will let us know. But in the meantime... (laughs) (laughs) In the meantime, you've been the best. Simply the the best. best. Better than all the rest. Better than anyone. Anyone I ever met. They killed my wife. I know it, Richard. I know it. But it's over now. You know I'm glad. I need the rest. 